don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Welcome. <laughs> we all right with that, right? It's just stuff that happens. It's just stuff that happens. It is good to see you today. I uh, truly want to welcome you. Thank you for taking the time to come and worship with us. If you're joining us online, wherever you may be, um, thanks for choosing just to spend these moments with us. Can you believe it's May? Isn't that crazy? Like, I, we just started New Year. It's wild to think that we're already in May. Y'all know what happens in May? Like, next Sunday happens in May? Mother's Day. That's exactly right. So, don't forget, all right? This is just me being kind to you. This is your pastor loving you and reminding you that next Sunday is Mother's Day and uh, truly, I hope that you get the chance to, to be here next week. And moms, you can do your thing and invite like all your kids to come next week, right? It's the power that you hold. So uh, I hope that you will. We'll, we'll have a good time next week as we're, we celebrate what God does through um, our moms. We are in a series, a, a talk series, a study series. We're going through the book of Philippians this year. And we're taking sections, and this section we've chosen to call hashtag humble brag. When you don't want to draw attention to how much you really want attention. And it's just a crafty way that we disguise our pride. Right? We'll make a statement where it acts like we're complaining about something, but what we really do is we're wanting to draw attention to how much we've done. Humble brag, it is this grasp for status. It is this need to feel uh, or feed our ego, if you will. And, and in this series, we are just using this, this little word, uh, a dance with pride, to recognize the impact that pride has on the relationships in our life. And so we're just kind of using some, some ropes, if you will, to, to represent when, when, when something like a humble brag becomes our approach, this grasp for status, this need to feed our ego, it doesn't help us in relationships. It actually builds more barriers in those relationships. Selfishness always creates more barriers. The opposite of a humble brag is simply humility. It's humility. And what we're studying right now in Philippians, the Apostle Paul is reminding us that Jesus is the greatest example ever of what humility looks like. Jesus, who is God himself, but willing to release that status, willing to empty himself. Now, he didn't stop being God but he also became fully man. And all the limitations that, that go with, with, with man, and, and he is willing to embrace servanthood, even that he would give his life for us, even willing to die on a cross. Humility is seeing others worthy to be served. 
even at a cost to self. That's what we're learning. The question is, what do we do with that? All right, this is how Jesus does it. This is what he looks like, but how do we make that work in our lives? And this is what the Apostle Paul has shown us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. He says, I want you to have this mindset, have this attitude set, have this view of humility among yourselves. That means in all your relationships, Right in, in your marriage, in your friendships, as parents, as kids, as co-workers, I, I, I want you to have this mindset of being willing to not grasp the status, but to be willing to empty self and to be willing to serve one another. This is what makes relationships great. Today, today I want to zero in on one particular area. It is for those who lead. Those in leadership of any kind. Now, when I say those who lead, I'm talking about people like moms and dads. You lead your families. You lead your kids. So I don't want you to have too narrow of a, view, a view of leadership today. I'm talking about anybody who has influence, impact over others, moms and dads and teachers and coaches, supervisors and managers, pastors and deacons and ministry team leaders. I mean, this list could go on and on and on and on and on. Today, this message of humility speaks to us in this regard. Some of you are familiar with a popular um, text of Scripture. A time when the prophet of God, his name was Isaiah, was given a glimpse of the glory of God. And some of you are familiar with that text. Isaiah sees him seated on a throne. He talks about how God's robe fills the temple. And you have these angelic beings that, that, are, that are just declaring nonstop, holy, holy, holy. You remember that, remember that story? Well, that starts this way, verse 1 in chapter 6, in the year... That King Uzziah died. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne. In the year that King Uzziah died. And I have found that if you ask the question, hey, what do you know about Uzziah? For a lot of people, the only thing they know about Uzziah is when he died, Isaiah went to church. That's kind of, that's all we know. And so I want to start by reading some of his story to you. I'll just read for a few minutes to give you an idea about King Uzziah, all right? Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse 6, this is what it says. He, that's Uzziah, he went to war against the Philistines and broke down the walls of Gath, Jebna, and Ashdod. He then rebuilt towns near Ashdod and elsewhere among the Philistines. Now, the Philistines would have been the enemy. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabs who lived in Gur, Baal, and against the Munites. The Amorites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the border of Egypt because he had become very powerful. You get in the picture? Uzziah built towers. He built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle of the wall, and he fortified them. He also built towers in the wilderness and dug many cisterns because he had much livestock in the foothills and in the plain. 
He had people working his fields and vineyards in the hills and in the fertile lands, for he loved the soil. Interesting dude, isn't it? He can lead in battle and he loves the soil. Interesting. Uzziah had a well-trained army ready to go out by divisions according to their numbers as mustered by J.L., the secretary, and Maaseah, the officer under the direction of Hananiah, one of the royal officials. The total number of family leaders over the fighting men was 2,600. Under their command was an army of 307,500 men trained for war, a powerful force to support the king against the enemies. Uzziah provided shields, spears, helmets, coats of armor, bows, and sling stones for the entire army. In Jerusalem, he made devices, interesting, invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that the soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. Uzziah got some stuff done didn't he? He got some stuff done. When I look at the description of what Uzziah accomplished, that there is within that a picture for me of what leaders do. From parents to pastors to principals to presidents, there is a picture of what leaders do. A part of what we do is we protect. We protect Right? All the way down to moms and dads. This is a part of the role that you are given as a leader. You protect. And that's what Uzziah did. He had an army. And man, it sounds like this army had its stuff together. He's got more than 2,500. He's got 2,600 leaders of this army. 307,500 soldiers who are organized. And it says he went to war. He went to war against the Philistines. He took down their strongholds. He built towers. Now, this is kind of an interesting facet. I mean, he built towers on the wall in Jerusalem, and then it says he also built towers in the wilderness. What was the purpose of building towers? Well, it gave you that advantage of of height to be able to protect something. And out in the wilderness, they were used to protect like the livestock that he had. But they were also used to protect people who were traveling at times. And you could stay within the tower and be safer than just right, being on the ground and susceptible to any of the, any of the thieves or, or people who would want to take from you. He protects. Even these devices, and I love it. In some translations, it says machines, and I love that. That, Like, what kind of machines were these? It sounds like some sort of a catapult. It sounds like some sort of a mechanism that would let. He provided in terms of protecting. I'm sorry, he protected his people, which is connected to the fact that he also provided. It's what leaders do. He provided equipment for that military, right? Gave them everything that they needed to do their job. That's what leaders do. You make sure that the people over which you, you, you are to care for, you make sure you provide what they need, right? He provided places for them to live, rebuilding towns. He provided food for them, livestock, fields, vineyards. But don't miss this part. A leader not only protects and provides, but a leader empowers. And that's what we see Uzziah do. He's got an army, but why does he have an army? Because he has empowered leaders to lead that army. He has empowered soldiers to fight in that army. He's got workers in the fields taking care of livestock, right, caring for vineyards. Uh, He's got people in place, empowered. He doesn't just protect and provide. He makes them a part of that process. He sees them valuable to that process. That's what all good leaders do. That's what all good leaders do. 
from parents to pastors to supervisors to teachers to administrators to CEOs to high school students. And you say, high school students? And I say, high school students. And here's why I say high school students. We need to back up in chapter 26 of Second Chronicles, and you need to hear this. Uzziah was 60 years old. No. What does it say? 16. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. It's like, you think this is before he got his driver's license or after he got his driver's license? I mean, isn't that a bit stunning? Because did you not hear what I read to you? earlier about what was accomplished in Uzziah's reign and he starts when he's 16 and what's remarkable to me is that he stays for 52 years all of that together like okay you could almost buy it like he okay he became king at 16 but he just couldn't make it work because he was so young and so you know by 18 somebody took him out and somebody else's no for 52 years age does not have to be a deterrent to leadership it doesn't and if you are a young leader that hears my voice today, I want to encourage you for a few minutes. Maybe you're 16, maybe you're a little older than 16, maybe you're a little younger than 16, right? If you're listening to me and you're younger than 16, it won't be long before you're 16. Don't ever use your age as an excuse in leadership. Don't do it. Don't do it. Anytime I hear a young person use their age as an excuse for why they feel like they're not leading effectively, it is a sign that they're not yet truly strong enough to probably be leading in the area that they want to be leading. My point is, stop talking about your age when you're young and God calls you to lead in some particular area, people will follow good leaders. They will. People will follow good leaders regardless of your age. If they are not cooperating with you, it's probably not because of your age. It's because of some other factor that is at play there that, that there's not trust that's built or, 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 or maybe you're not leaning into the, the, the empowering of, of people yet. My, my point is 307,500 men don't follow a bad leader into war. Regardless of his age, if he's good, they'll follow him. If God gives you the opportunity to lead somewhere, he knows your age. He knows. And when he put Uzziah in a place of leadership as king, he knew he was 16. God is well aware of that. Wherever you are placed as a young leader, God knows how old you are don't use your age as an excuse. If there is a struggle in leadership, just begin to ask those questions. Okay, where do I need to grow? Where do I need to learn? Because that is exactly the desire that we see in Uzziah. He doesn't act like he knows it all. And at 16, he doesn't know it all. 
But the truth would be if he was 26, he doesn't know it all. And if he was 66, he doesn't know it all. But at 16, this young man seems to grasp this. I want you to go to verse 4 and look what it says about him. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. So his dad had been king, and the text here seems to be saying that he, right, is doing what God wants him to do just like his dad did. The only problem is when we go back to chapter 25, the chapter before this one, we are given this picture that sometimes when Amaziah, his dad, did what he did, it says he did it half-hearted. Half-hearted. Like he, he wasn't all in every time with God. Sometimes he got it done, but it wasn't because he was just completely, wholeheartedly faithful and believing God. And here's what I draw from that. Here is a young man, 16 years old, who apparently can learn from the good and the bad. He learned how important it is to lead when you're listening to God and when you're following God, you do that with all your heart. And he was able to learn that out of a situation where the model that was put before him didn't do it with all his heart. Some of us have models that went before us. Some of us have dads who loved God with all their heart and we go, I know what that looks like. Some of you have dads that did not. The point is great leaders are able to see whatever the situation may be. They don't lead just from, I don't want to be that. I have known people who have become different like, levels of leadership, and their whole motivation is, well, I don't want to be like my dad. I'm saying the greatest leaders don't just operate from what I don't want to be. They operate from I can see what God taught me through that. Here's who I want to be. Here's who I want to be. But he learned something else. Check out verse 5. Check out verse 5. So not only did he learn from his dad. Watch this. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. That's the prophet who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So not only did he learn from his dad, but he also seeks the help of the prophet, Zechariah, and he says, I want you to teach me about the fear of God. Now, come on, if you don't know this, the, the fear of God is not simply this cringing fear that right God is just standing over you and just waiting to you know smack you at every opportunity the, the fear of God is about seeing who God is and what he does it's about fearing God above anything else in this world it, it's understanding truly who God is when when Uzziah took that step in his life, Uzziah began to grow in wisdom and in knowledge. And here's how I know that. It's because Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 tells us this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. How does a 16-year-old begin to lead a nation it's because he said, prophet, teach me about the fear of God. And when he knew what the scripture said about who God is and how he operates, he began to grow in wisdom and in knowledge. It means I know God's way and I want my life to line up with how God says this should be. How cool is that? Nobody gets in trouble when they walk in the fear of God. Now, I didn't say there isn't trouble, but they don't get in trouble from him when they walk in the fear of God. But not only does he grow in wisdom and knowledge, 
But Uzziah also grows in courage. He's 16. He's got to lead this nation. How do I know he leads? How do I know he grows in courage? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children will have refuge. When you know who God is, and you understand how God works, it creates this temperament and this life in you that can see mountains moved because you begin to act as though you believe God. Do you see from Uzziah's story that, right, piety or holiness doesn't equal passivity. It it, it doesn't mean that you just settle, right? Holy people in humility will pursue big things for big causes because they believe truly who God is and what he says he does. Uzziah is not standing around as a 16-year-old going, man, Israel is a mess right now. Those Arabians, they are crushing us. Man, I wish somebody would do something. No, it says he went to war. He went to war against the Philistines. He broke down the walls. He made aggressive moves based on the information that he knew about who God is and how God operates. He made aggressive moves based on humility of going, this is too big for me, but this is who God is. So let's see if we can summarize this a little bit. We've got a 16-year-old. And we're going to have to call him a man here, right? We can't call him a boy. We got a 16-year-old who sees this task before him too big. And he's right. It's too big. And so he humbles himself. He humbles himself. And he learns from his dad, who didn't get everything right, but that's okay. Because God was able to show him that even in the mistakes that he saw, he could learn from that and go, this is how I will follow God with all my heart. He learns from a prophet. And come on, when when we read about the prophets of God, we go, those dudes were bad. I mean, like bad in a good way. They, they, they are, they are, those dudes were bad, but you understand when the king seeks the advice of the prophet, in, in the view of the people, he's doing something to a lesser of him in terms of earthly power, kingly power. He is, he is reaching out to not his equal and saying, will you teach me? about the fear of God, and when he does that, suddenly this 16-year-old grows in wisdom, and he grows in courage, and suddenly he sees the people as God sees the people, and suddenly barriers are dropped, and a 16-year-old can lead a nation because the barriers are being removed, and he leads He leads. I want to ask you. What are you doing right now in your life? What are you a part of right now in your life? That speaks to how big God is and how he works. What are you a part of in your life right now? That if you were to tell the story, this is what I'm in right now, this is, this is, what I'm, this is, this is my path right now, this is where I'm, I'm set. What are you a part of right now in your life that if people were to ask you and you tell them that, they're going to go, oh, why are you doing that? That you would be able to say, it's because this is who my God is and this is how he works. 
What do you what do you dream about? What are the dreams that are put on your heart that reflect the bigness and the work of God? As a church, this is who we want to be. We need weak people who in their weakness become strong. Because we look and say, this is too big for me. This is actually impossible for me. But I will go there because this is who God is and this is what he's called me to do. And that's who we want to be. Not, not people with foolish zeal, right? Not, not, not people with just an ignorant passion where we just barrel forward and this and that. No, we want to know who is our God? Where does his heart reside? What is he about? We look at situations and go, this is impossible for me to do, but I'm going there because this is where God calls us to go. You, you understand, you and I, we can't save anybody. We cannot save anybody. Now, look, I at times can motivate people. Okay? I I can do that. I I can motivate people sometimes. About as far as the parking lot. And then once they exit the parking lot, they just exit right back to their own priorities of life. That's the facts. I I want to do a good job. Like, I don't even mind saying I, I pretty much want you to like me. I do. But what I know is if that anything, anything happens today in anybody's heart that I'm talking to, a miracle happened. God did it. Because I can't change anybody's heart. I can't save anybody. I can't heal anybody. Whatever happens It is God who does a miracle in hearts when people are saved, when people are healed, when people actually start believing God with their dreams. It's God who does that. May we be like Uzziah who say, this is impossible for me, but nothing is impossible for God. He's humble. And therefore, the God who never misses is helping him greatly. You you understand the the God who never messes up, right? There's never some moment, right, where God goes, ooh, I kind of underestimated that one, right? There's never this moment where God goes, ah, we didn't quite think, I didn't didn't realize that was going to go. He's the God who never misses, ever, ever on anything, He is greatly helping Uzziah. Look at this verse. Look at this verse. His fame spread far and wide for he was greatly helped. And he becomes powerful. The God who never misses is helping him. Anybody not want that? Like tomorrow, the God who never misses to be with you, whatever you're doing, work, school, where the God who never misses is helping him. And he becomes powerful. And I want us to understand getting stronger is not a problem. Becoming more powerful is not the issue. The issue is understanding where that power comes from. So this is where we all need to stay nervous. We need to stay nervous because anytime it looks like we accomplish something, what is our tendency? We think we did it. There's more to Uzziah's story. Let's read some more. Verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, Man. 
his pride led to his downfall. Man, I wish that wasn't in there. When he became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord as God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priest, the descendants of Aaron, who have been consecrated to burn incense, leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn incense, became angry. While he was raging at the priest in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. And we are told in the rest of the story that he had leprosy for the rest of his life. And therefore, from that day on, the best day that would occur in Uzziah's life is found in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, when he died. Now, come on, Uzziah's been a great leader, protected and provided. And he saw God do that when he was 16. But he did all that through empowerment, right? He, he protected and he provided, but he empowered. People built the towers, people working in the fields, the people building the machines, the, the, the people leading military, right? But suddenly Uzziah is acting like he <laughs> is at the center of everything. And if it's going to get done, I got to do it. Uzziah had no sense, no, no right to burn incense on that altar in the temple because God had already declared Exodus chapter 30, that was the role of the priest. What's the priest done compared to what I've done? Priest didn't build any towers. Priest didn't protect any livestock. What's the priest done that I've done? And Uzziah steps into a role that God clearly, he drifts away from weakness toward I've got to be the one because who else has done as much as I've done? God had provided people, right, all along the way, but suddenly now Uzziah no longer respects the gifts of other people given by God. He no longer values others. Does that sound familiar to Philippians chapter 2 language that we've been studying? It goes something like this, in humility value others above yourself. And suddenly he doesn't. It also says that he gets angry. He gets angry. And I think anybody who leads for any length of time can relate to this. Right? Because we're all imperfect. <laughs> there are just times I don't want you to know I am, especially when you call me on it. And the battle be be becomes, right, somebody confronts. He here's what I have noticed. 
There are some people in my life that I trust like to the ultimate. And you probably have some of those too. I hope you do. At least somebody, couple of people that you trust them so much that if they came to you and like confronted you on an issue and they care about you, so they're going to do it probably in a loving way. But even if they didn't, you respect them so much that if they called you on something, you'd be like, "Mm, yeah, I better take a look at that. But when it's people that you don't necessarily trust because you don't necessarily know them and they confront you on something, come on. We all know where our heart tends to go, don't we? Can we just be honest with that and go, we go, who are you? And even if I know who you are, Let's talk again when you've done what I've done. Let's talk again when you've been, when you've been leading as long as I've been leading here. Let's talk again when, when you got as much tears in this as I do. Can we just be honest and go, come on, that, that's our tendency. If we fight it, it's because we have to fight it. I have discovered that not only will God use the most trusted people in your life to sometimes put a check on your pride, but God loves us enough that he will also sometimes let people that you don't know, he will allow them to speak because that is often the true test of how much pride actually exists in my heart when I'm able to hear that. And I don't know them. I don't trust them. They haven't done squat as far as I know in terms of of, of investing in whatever it is that, that I may be leading. But that is a greater test. And sometimes God loves me enough that sometimes he'll let them be the test. In this story, suddenly the priest is the one who's fearing God, isn't he? And I think the dude's scared. Can we just say, when we get to heaven, we'll ask ask him. But like, I I think the priest who's confronting Uzziah is scared. Part of the reason I think he's scared is because he brings 80 other dudes with him. Right? He's like, come on, man. You're Bill, come on. Fred, come on, man. No, we we all going. I'm not just going. We're all going. And he's like, Uzziah, Exodus chapter 30, man, you can't, you can't do this. How good would it have been if Uzziah would have listened? Man, how, what a story this could have been if Uzziah would have heard and repented. What if he would have continued to walk in the fear and the favor of God, but he didn't. He didn't. Not only did it cost him his leadership, it cost him life. So here's your charge today. Here's your charge today. As leaders, moms, dads, coaches, teachers, administrators, CEOs, right, pastors, here's our charge today. Believe big. And when I say believe big, I don't mean just randomly believe big. I'm talking about God. I'm talking about believe God big. Believe that God can do the impossible things. I'm saying, who's, who's, who's called to do this? You, you are, regardless of age. Look, who's going to believe that God really can change the heart of the worst of the worst? Like, you know, that person in your family that everybody else has hung up on, everybody else tired of dealing with, you don't know what else to do. And maybe at this point I'm saying there's not anything else that you actually do besides continuing to declare, I believe in a God who is big enough to get to his heart. So I will not stop praying for him. I will not stop fighting for him. I will not stop looking for the opportunity to speak God's word into his heart because I'm not going to stop believing in a God that I know is this big and loves this much. Who's going to believe? Who's going to believe for the kid in your classroom that everybody else is trying to figure out a way how to not have him in their classroom, but you believe in a God who goes after all hearts, 
a God where her heart is not too closed and it is not too difficult, that he is a God who pursues. Who, who's going to believe in the person at your work that everybody else spends most of their time working a strategy to avoid? But you believe. You believe big. You believe in a God where nothing is impossible. I will remind you that the guy who wrote Philippians, nobody was lining up going, I think any day now Paul's going to turn to Jesus. Nobody was saying that. But God got him. Who's going to believe that God can take their town? Who's going to believe that God can actually take their school? Who's going to believe? Believe big. Second, work hard. Work hard because believing big doesn't mean be lazy. It means continue to dream, continue to pray, continue to prepare, continue to plan. Don't you be lazy. Don't you do that to the rest of us and don't you do that to the king who is God who emptied himself and died for you. When you truly see who God is and you know his power, it will not drive you to just step back and be lazy. It will drive you to launch your life full on because you believe in a God who can do all things. Third, stay humble. Stay humble. Here's where I think we fight. You stay humble. You fight it when you get to that point that you suddenly feel like you deserve something. When you suddenly feel like that you've earned something, right? Because I'm saying if you believe big and you work hard, God, God's going to do some things. There are going to be some things accomplished. And those are the moments where you start to think, look what I've done. Look how hard I've worked. Look at the tears that I have shed. Here's what I deserve. Here's what I have earned. God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't. How do you keep doing that? Jeff, how do you keep doing that? Here's how I keep doing it. It takes constantly, constantly reading it. And by reading it, I mean, just like we have today, I am, it is God's word. It is, it is reading that truth again and again from God saying, this is who I am and this is how I operate. Stay humble. Stay humble. You stay humble and I will exalt. That's how it works. You start fighting for the exalting, that's when things go bad. Stay humble. I have to read it and read it and read it. Daily read it. I have to pray it. Daily pray it. God, God, will you help us? God, this looks impossible, but God, we are leaning into you. I have to voice what I'm, what I'm reading. God, help me to stay humble. Help me, though, to believe you. Help me to work hard. God, help me. And then third, you got to give credit where credit is due. And when God does his thing that you believed he was going to do, make sure in that moment that you open your mouth and you declare, it's God. It's God. He did this. Because I can't change anybody's heart. It's God. Keep reading it. Keep praying it. And keep giving him credit. God's going to do his thing. Here's the little phrase for me. Will I step up and stay out of the way? And you're like, wait, wait, wait. Do you want me to step up or you want me to stay out of the way? Yes. That's the tension. God's going to do his thing. Will you step up and stay out of the way that his greatness will be seen in the whole earth? I'm going to pray for you because, man, that's a task, isn't it? What a battle. What a battle. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a little bit together, some truths that, that we just learned and just some time for us to process. I, I want to encourage you to do something with this. Do something with this, man. Some of you are in those circumstances that I'm describing, and you know next step is time for you to talk to God about that and ask him to help. Asking him to help. I ask you the question, what is your life a part of that reflects his bigness? If, if your answer is nothing, then I'm saying start to ask.
God, what do you want me to see and where do you want me to step? Let's ask him. He's going to do it. Will you step up and stay out of the way? I'll pray. We'll sing. We'll be available over here around this room. There are people available wherever you may be uh, watching at one of our sites today. I encourage you, let's do something with what our God gives us today. Let's pray. God, there are very, very few, very few who will be hearing my voice that uh, are not in some way leading. Um, You call us as followers of you to influence. You call us to impact. And so from 16-year-olds today to 96-year-olds today, God, you, you give us opportunity to influence lives, to impact lives. And today, we have learned some things. We have been reminded of some things. And God, I am asking your blessing on your people, God, that you might help us believe big. Not because we've just dreamed something up, but because we have read and we have seen who you are and how you work. God, may you give us faith to be the people that when everybody else is complaining and when everybody else is waiting for somebody else to do something, you would make us the people who believe you. We believe you. What you can do in hearts what you do in cities, what you can do in schools, what you can do in workplaces, we believe you. God, may you give us strength to work hard. God, for some of us, that means it's time to love our families harder than we ever have before. For some of us, it's working our job harder than we have before maybe leading a team, whatever it may be, God, that you will give us wisdom and you will give us courage to dream and plan and prepare, God, that we will work hard because we believe you. But God, may you guard our hearts and may you teach us to guard our hearts. May you help us to daily to read to pray, to stay humble. It's you. But today, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for hearts that change because you are changing them. Help us to step up and to stay out of the way. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray.